You're listening to the Coffee Before You Talk to Me podcast, hosted by Bean Mug and Coffee Co. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Coffee Before You Talk to Me podcast, hosted by Bean Mug and Coffee Co. I'm Jose, along with Tom. Tom, my friend, who do we have on the show with us today? Hey, Jose, it's good to be here again, episode number two. And in with us today, we have Beth from Beth Kaya Designs. We're happy to have you here, Beth. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Thank you guys so much. This is really exciting for me. Absolutely our pleasure. Yeah. So uh, we've known each other for for quite a while. I'm going to say a decade now. Uh, yeah. When you say it that way, yeah. that's quite a while. It hurts. Yeah, I mean, hurts. a decade like kind of ages you, Jose. Oh, yeah. You're catching like, at one point saying yeah. stuff like that. So, I mean, no, it's, it's been crazy though because we've been involved in different aspects of different businesses that we've been a part yes. of and kind of always try to connect and stuff like that. So glad you I heard. remember the day I met you. We were, I was vending a show for Beth Kaya. It was like a punk rock flea market or something. Mm-hmm. And you were with the clothing company and somebody mutual introduced us. And I was like, these two, these, these guys got the look. They're, yeah. they're fresh. So. And that was the first kind of business interaction. Like, I knew to take him seriously on that. Well, I appreciate that. First impression. He's a serious fella. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> of course. I don't play any games. None at all. Um, so obviously you have a really um, unique and interesting journey, and uh, I can't wait to, to, to talk about it. Um, so, you know, just before we even start with that, I guess my question is, like, what gets you up in the morning, right? Aside from my day job, um, the beach. That gets me up in the morning. I would say that's uh, pretty appropriate, considering yeah. that uh, we're all living in pretty close proximity to the beach. I got to do it at some facet almost every single day, whether it's for my lunch break or for a post-work stroll. I, I got to do it. Now, in the I, winter, you're going to the beach in the winter or driving by the inlet or how does, you know, no, we're what dreaming. gets you up in the morning in the winter? I'll tell in you. In the winter, my gotta, day job. I got to tell, <laughs> tell you guys a funny beach story. Right? So we actually talked about the beach in the last podcast too. And I told Jose and, and Josh was with us. Jose knows I'm not really a big beach guy, right? Takes me five minutes to get there. Never really go. Rather go to the pool in the backyard. Last time I went to the beach, I had to go down to seaside to pick something up. And it was like mid-September last year. So everybody was gone. I was like, this is great. I'm going to take like 10 minutes and I'll walk up and I'm going to sit there and I'll watch the water and just relax. It was beautiful. It was great. Got in my car. I started driving home. Bam, car runs right into me. So maybe that's my uh, Your my, sign. My, my sign that the beach isn't really for me. All right. All right. So yeah, oh, so the beach, the beach gets you up. I know where to park. Right. I know like uh, everything. Yeah. I don't know. You got to wake routine. up the crack of dawn to get like a parking spot. Not for me. No, I'm not a man of Logan Beach. Ooh. Secret. I don't want to share that. We'll let it that part out. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I guess, like, can you tell us a little bit of, like, how, you know, Beth Kaya Design got started and, um, like, what inspired you to create your own brand? So this is really interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot because I knew I would be asked this or some format in some kind. And the truth is... Um, so, you know, I grew up in like a very limited means household. So all my sisters got a little bit of hustle in them. And that all, I think, sparked a lot within each of us very early. And music was also a huge part of the household. My parents were musicians. Uh, My dad is like a sound engineer. He sells 
for audio equipment. So this music element was a big part of my life. And we went to a lot of concerts. And in all honesty, I started selling jewelry to get to the next concert when I was like a a teenager. So it was mostly fish, but it was also like bands that most people never even heard of, like Medusky Martin. I was going to ask if we were talking about fish jewelry or the fish band. Yeah. So there's this huge commerce. I don't know if it's still really a big thing now because it's definitely changed the landscape of like tour life. But at one point before cell phones, there was this secret lane in a parking lot for the fish show and it it birthed in the Grateful Dead scene but it carried on in the fish scene and that's called Shakedown and in Shakedown it's like open air commerce so you're getting whatever you need to get for the show for a good time to make your means to the next show so I would go out there with a ring and I have a picture to show you guys um, of necklaces that I had made and I would go down, shake down, and hold it up. And I had some slug, like, thinking about it now, it's so cringy. But I would say, like, best hemp in town, ain't never been turned down. Oh. And uh, people would just come up and pick necklaces off the ring. And I'd make, like, 350 bucks in the night. Like, you know, there was tickets to the next show. There was gas. There was everything. And from that. I realized, okay, so my own two hands, and that was the first business company that I had, um, can make this, can make this stuff happen. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning. So were you like, not to get us off track from business at all, but I have some friends that are very into fish and the Grateful Dead, and I am not, but I always find it fascinating. Mm -hmm. So were you traveling like from show to show all over? or you just probably seen over a hundred So wherever you could get to, to go to a show you were in. Mm -hmm. That's cool. What's the farthest fish concert you've been to? Um, I'm going to say, I don't know, probably like South Carolina, uh, Maine, Massachusetts, mostly up and down. No, no, California. Oh, yeah. I, I went to California. Was. I went to a festival at the Coachella Valley um, maybe 10 years ago. It was awesome. That's cool. Um, but I did go to Europe for a concert that was canceled. I do have a little bit of um, bad luck with that. And yeah. Yeah. I did a fish festival. I vended a fish festival. Right. A giant 60,000 person fish festival. And it was canceled two days in. Like before, like 12,000 people were on site. Everybody was set up. And then the permit was revoked. I wonder if the same guys at Fire Festival ran it. (laughs) Oh my goodness, it was terrible. Okay, okay. So yeah, it it birthed in the fish community. And I have to give a huge shout out to them because um, through this entire journey, the ups and downs of things, those original heads have supported my business this whole entire time. I was going to say, I feel like it's probably a community of like super loyal people. Hell yeah. Once they kind of get into your groove and what you're selling and making, they're going to find you wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And like since the birth of the internet, I've been Beth Kaya. That's how the fish people knew me. That's how, you know, like you would meet up with people. I was, you know, raised in Maryland, but we would come up here to see shows 
And we would meet up with people from message boards and things like that. Message boards. Message Boy. boards. Yeah. And then now still friends and still business supporters. Now we're all grown up. We all have kids and businesses and, you know, real lives. But that whole essence of like indie trade business community, that is the roots of where everything kind of came about. So, so real quick. So we, we were speaking before the podcast and we we're talking about like, you know, different, you know, things that you're making and you know, your jewelry. And I mean, I know the list goes on, but you were like, listen, I want to be clear. Like I'm a, I'm a multimedia artist. Mm-hmm. So I want to just jump in like and expand on that. Like what, like Beth Kaya started off with like necklaces, I'm sure. Right. And jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like, what did it evolve into past that? I realized that selling jewelry was not sustainable. And this is also a message that I want to send to people who are thinking of starting a business based on a hobby. Um, your purpose has to serve a function. So if you're making necklaces, that's great, but there's a margin of people who don't need that. So my thinking shifted from jewelry to what can I solve? And then I kind of became an inventor. So the soap was something that I started making, you know, as a at-home mom, save money, learning to grow things, the properties of herbs and different things, like really getting into my groove as a mom. And then I was solving problems. So the soap obviously solves the problem. You know, it's a multi-purpose thing. We take it camping. So... Again, let's talk about the fish people. Um, you know, that yeah. sort of became a rash. When I started handing soap out, you know, obviously you're at a festival or your show, you're going to get dirty. So with my little sticker on the back that's going to all these people, it's solving a problem. So when I design now, I'm not going to do anything or put anything up for sale that's just, you know, because or drink it or whatever it serves some intention some purpose some value so whether it's you know right now i'm working on um keychains key keepers you guys will get one key keepers key keepers but like it solves the function there's a main ring there's six other rings they're all uniform there's a flashlight on there. There's a little waterproof dry container. In mine, I keep earplugs because I need earplugs all the time. But, like, in the essence of Beth Kaya, I'm solving a problem. There, you know, it's a key keeper. It's an invention. And that's kind of the root of everything that I'm coming up with. A little problem-solving invention that I can sell. That's cool. Because if I can't sell it... Well, it's I ain't making it. Yeah, hundred percent. And like, what's cool with the soap too? Like, not necessarily the keykeeper, but the soap. Like, as opposed to when you're making jewelry, there's only so much jewelry you're gonna buy or you're gonna wear. You're always gonna need a new bar of soap. I mean, it was kind of like when we started bean mugging compared to the first kind of iteration of our coffee business, which was the caffeination station. It was cool for people to get a coffee bar and go out to different events, but 
Only if you were having an event did you need the coffee bar. Right. You didn't well, need you didn't need one once a year. You didn't need one once a year. You didn't need one every morning or while you're shooting a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Right. But now coffee's good biz. You can get coffee from everybody gets coffee. So it's it's a little bit different. It's like I said, it's solid like you said, it solves a purpose and it's kind of renewable it's from consumable. From soap is consumable. Yep. And the thing about coffee, the thing about soap that's the same is that once you get used to the brew. Once you get used to a scent, you want that brew, you need the consistency. You need that smell, you need the consistency. So that's like part of the design process also is how can I make you feel a way? How can I evoke this sense of nostalgia within you? And I do that with scent. And that creates such loyalty because if I can explain to you how something smells without you actually smelling it and I'm accurate, I've won your trust. I agree. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. Um, because obviously like when we, when we had met, I was doing clothing and you were doing a lot of soaps and fragrances at that mm-hmm. point was like your primary. Um, and we talked about like you being on Etsy and you selling all these, these products all over the internet. And a big part of it was you were selling soap, which if I'm going to buy soap, like I need to go to the store and like Get pop up, the cap open it. and yeah. smell it and say like, okay, I want to smell like, like leather wood farm or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. and online you were just selling scents over the internet, um, but which the was, smell is which accurate, was, which is crazy to me. And then like, you know, fast forward now and I'm over here like, Oh, taste this coffee over the internet. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 Beth can do it. It can be done. You can I do thought, it. I've seen I this before. Jose was crazy when he told me he wants to sell coffee over the internet. Cause Prior to bean mugging, I was a go to Costco, pick up my coffee, and be set kind of guy. Like, yeah. well, I'll get a coffee at the shop here and there, but I didn't really get into it to the same level until we got into bean mugging. But also, I was like, who's buying coffee on the internet? And the answer is a ton of people, yeah. just like soap or, or any of your scents or anything you do like that. If you can get the message across and then the product delivers when they get it, home run. Product has to deliver. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, in this day and age, they're buying you first. They're buying your brand. They like the colors. They like the look, the aesthetic, the vibe that you guys give off. And, you know, I have this one bar called Outdoor Shower. And in in this one name, you are having an experience by the name. Who doesn't love an outdoor shower? You, know, my, you might not because you're not a beach guy. But I love an outdoor shower. Erica tried to pitch an outdoor beach shower yesterday. She's like, I, I think would, we should build an outdoor beach shower. I, I'm like, oh. I want an outdoor shower. Uh, I've talked to my wife. We're talking about putting an outdoor shower. What's going on with these outdoor showers? It's, it's, it's so popular. It. It's my favorite. And like you're right, but you're, like you're, you're right on the pulse, though. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yep. Last summer, aside. I took one of my bars into the outdoor shower, put it up there, and I left it there all week. It was the coconut teak. You both got that in your back. And every day I came off the beach about like 4, 4.20, took my shower. The ice cream man coming by every single day at that same exact time. And this scent just kind of washed over me. It's the smell of coconut, like a very medium-bodied coconut, not too bright, sweet. It's just like coconut shavings. And then um, it hits you with this like teakwood, cedar like the smell of the beach house steps or the shower inside the beach house together. Mm-hmm. So I'm having this moment every single day 
And I got back and I was like, okay, the soap is born. Like, I have to have a soap that pays homage to the outdoor shower because a lot of my products are in homage to the beach, much like your labels and names mm-hmm. as well. Like we have Surfside, Dockside, um, you know, Bay Musk, different things that are nodding to the ocean. But now outdoor shower is like. It's a thing. It's a thing. That's crazy. So that's really a good example of like the process for like how to really go out and create a scent. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I thought that was you know pretty like unique in a sense. Like I've never. Like what, like the real, like the thought process that goes in it, like step by step by step. That's a whole. So I was, I was doing some research on what it takes to be a master um, fragrance person. There's, there's really like 10 in the whole world, maybe even less. It takes longer to become a master perfumer than it does to be a doctor. You have to travel the world and sit with these specific people and do apprenticeships crazy i'm out here with like wires crossed designing that's how it happens for me because i have like synesthesia but i know like how to pair a top note and a middle note and a bottom note and it's much like blending coffee you have to put this flavor profile or scent profile together that's married and makes sense Mm -hmm. or else it's wonky and disjointed and nobody's gonna relate to that pretty cool i saw um I think it was like on Ellen, so I'm probably dating myself here. It's not even on the air anymore. But really, yeah, Ellen. She, Ellen's gone. Yeah, she retired. I have no idea. Um, so she basically uh, she brought on this guest, and I could have swore it was Ellen, but anyway, she worked for like Nissan, and all she did was the scent. So she would go in your car, a brand new car. She like opened the door, and she'd be like, "The steering wheel is off. You have to replace that leather." She'd smell different things in the car because they wanted the scent of that car to be what it was, and her job. Find it on YouTube. You guys, Love gonna, it. you guys, Love it. that's been wild. It was wild. That's crazy. I'm always impressed too by like, like, I mean, listen, I know if something smells good, I know it smells good. If something tastes good, I know it tastes good. But like, I, I know like when we were making the coffee, like, I was like, all right, I like this one. I don't like this one. Maybe this is why, but I'm not great at going, ah, this is, I'm picking up the smell of this. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. No to that. I'm not good at that. But like, people, it's like the lady that can smell, it's like people that can cook. By smelling the 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 seasonings oh, yeah. and stuff, and just knowing like all day, all right, these go together. This a little more of this, a little less of that. Yeah. Just all by smelling it is pretty wild. I think. Yeah, I didn't have taco seasoning the other day, and I was like, I have everything that it takes to make taco seasoning, so I made tacos. Didn't even taste it, nothing, and they, they meaning my boyfriend and my son, didn't know the difference. Didn't even say like. I was smart by not telling them. I would be like, no, it's not. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah, but if she told them, then they would be like, no, it's different. We don't like yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My son <laughs> is the hardest now. critic. If 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 I use a different cheese on his grilled cheese or something, he's coming out of his room. Oh, <laughs> now he's now he's a teenager. He's in his room on his computer where all meals are served, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, mom, cheese is off. Just oh, it's man. off a hair. I'm like, can't you just get through it? No. I took three bites. <laughs> He's like, I took the three bites. Oh, man. It's done. That's pretty impressive then. Even more so now with the taco seasoning. So, right. so you, you <laughs> out of control. So, <laughs> where all meals are served. So, now um, you have, you, you, go, you go online. And you're one of like the early people in like Etsy, right? Like Etsy oh, yeah. is still like a grassroots. I went to the first Etsy flea market in Brooklyn inside of McCarran Park Pool. It's like an old pool that they emptied out 
and started having events in. I couldn't even tell you if it's there anymore. Might be a pull again. So like I didn't even know that. Etsy started as a flea market in Brooklyn. I yeah. had no idea. Did you know that? Um, I know. I thought it was just an online virtual yeah, flea market. Yeah, like, two thousand six. Wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, considering starting as a flea market and where they've ended up, it's oh, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. Global marketplace, publicly so traded. What what year did you go on the Etsy website? 2006. 2006. Like, as yeah, soon as it started, you were there, ground floor. Mm -hmm. And I cool. started selling jewelry. And I rarely got orders. I was like, you know, this isn't going to be it. So I, I went to school. I worked. I worked full time in the city when I went to school. And you reminded me to tell you this. Um, when I worked for Sony, I did time at Sony corporate in on Madison Avenue. We had a flagship store underneath the building and I worked for the VIP department. So whenever we'd have like Sony talent come in, um, Paul Simon, for example, he can't just go into the store. He's got to have a concierge come yeah. down and walk him through. So that was my job. I'd cool. walk these people through the flagship store and all the computers and different cameras and stuff we had now. Um, they used to pump smell into the store. Oh, I believe it. Chocolate yeah. smell in the holiday season and during the summer season, citrus smell. Specifically, they were scents that were statistically proven to make you shop more. That's it. Farmers That's Market. Right Farmers Market on Sunday. Start chocolate pump, all start day. Start pumping chocolate right through the... Yeah, it'll be good. Chocolate, peanut butter cup, coffee coming Sunday. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> in Japan thought of that. Well, like, I mean, there's science behind all that kind of stuff. Like the same thing with like lighting and different colors and stuff and mm -hmm. what they'll do to your mood and the atmosphere at events and things like that. It they put goes, a Starbucks yeah. right in the middle of the store. Yeah, genius. Because they know that caffeinating people yeah. and playing the Sony music while you're inside of the store is going to make you shop. Sounds good. So you get on Etsy in 2006, mm -hmm. and just so people understand, like, how many sales have you done on Etsy? Right now, I've probably done, like, close to 10,000. Right. And that's on Etsy. Like, there's, obviously, you can do commerce off Etsy, so most of my live events and different things like that was, is not oh, sure. Etsy, but um, that's home. Yeah, yeah, but like, so your online presence, you've probably had, sorry, close to like almost 10,000 transactions on Etsy. Mm -hmm. which is um, I also have a very high um, review rate of like perfect score, I guess Etsy would call it, because um, again, it's about trust and loyalty. When you give people more than they expect, they will come back and they will rant and rave about you. So when you open one of my packages, it's kind of an experience. Anybody can tell you that. You read the reviews and it'll tell you that. It's like, you know, you the smell hits you. It's a wave. And then there's little inclusions and samples. The samples get you to. It's mm -hmm. all very strategic. Um, but also, like, in good, in good intentions. I know that if I order from somebody and I get more than I pay for, I'm coming back. More like a value. Oh, yeah. Like what's the value, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the website for since 2006. Yeah. And then we go from there to like having a having a store, right? Yes. So going back, Beth Kaya has always been on the internet as Beth Kaya. So you're not going to find anybody else but me, period, since the internet. 
which I'm very proud of. Um, and that kind of clout and support lended me to grow the brand big enough to be able to afford a store. So I just like, you know, from home, banked from the sales. And I drove by this little yellow building on the way to my son's grandparents' house all the time. It was like a crumb cake spot at one point. And I always like thought, like, when is this place open? It's like never open. Like, what is it? You know, it changed hands a couple times. And then one day I'm driving by and the big for rent sign was out there. And I was like, okay, this is the sign because, you know, I had the money in the bank. Um, my kid was old enough to like, you know, go to school and come home and be at the store with me. So I contacted the landlord. We did it. Um, the place was in absolute disrepair. It was like stepping in shit and tracking it around your whole house. Like I did not realize the project it was going to be. And they just rented it to you like that and said, here's the keys. Yes. Yes. The pilot yeah, light, it was a deli. The pilot light was still on for the oven. And um, there was grease in the fryer. So I had to decommission the fryer, drain it. Um, when I had people pull the oven out, there was eggs. People were literally cracking eggs and throwing it behind the oven. Oh, that's gross. For years. Just eggshells piled up behind the oven. It was it was like beyond anything like that dirty jobs has ever showed you. I just aged myself right there <laughs> yeah, with dirty right. jobs. Um, but again, it was like this experience. It People in the community had supported the business so much and wanted to see it. So people came and helped paint. They pulled out. There was a coffee station. Originally, I wanted it to be a boutique. Right. A coffee tea place with items to like buy but I fought with the town and it just was going to be it had already been nine months to open and I had sustained it up until that point Yeah, but at some point you had to get a door open I was like okay we're going from the self-care cafe to the self-care cove okay and that's kind of the pivot we made and I I did feel like we lost a sense of what we meant to be without having the coffee and tea um how how late into the process did you realize that you couldn't make it a cafe like that? Nine months. We were nine months into like renting the store, still hadn't gotten open CO from the town. So for the nine months that you're building it and 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 you know, you know, like planning everything out and what you want to do, you're still thinking it's gonna be a cafe. Oh, yeah, it was. Point. It was on the door self care cafe, and you know, at one point I had a kind of a partner who was interested in like going you know the extra mile with this whole situation and it became very overwhelming I I think that a lot of people think they could run a business um but when they get in the thick of it you know realize like this takes so much it takes so much grit and I don't think that most people understand or grip that you know like oh it's incredible if you difficult. do what you love you'll never work a day in your life that is the biggest yeah. bullshit i've ever heard if you do what you love you work every day of your life every day yeah. 365 right yeah. it never stops yeah i saw that on tiktok actually like an audio like that you yeah. got it. I saved it where he basically was like when it was something like where he said like and if you 
But if you love it, like you'll work even harder, like something like that. Like, it, oh, yeah, I it mean, has to be that way. I think that's probably like the saving grace to the situation is like it, it's like your baby and you love it. So you're willing to do that. Right. But yeah, everybody thinks it's like, hey, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to work really hard for a couple of months and then it's going to be on cruise control. And that's. row. Yeah. Like this, they gave these women and men this dream of being a business. But at the end of the day, like it's not this pop-up thing that you can Mm -hmm. do. And that's what was sold, you know, it's like, this is a pop-up business. It's so easy. You can do it. No, anybody can start a business doing anything. But if you're not willing to put the gas to the floor until it's shot into the stratosphere, don't do it. Go back to your hobby. Go back to whatever because it's not for you. Yeah, it's not going to be for you. I mean, I think and Jose and I have talked about this a lot, and you said the word early on, and <laughs> Jose knows what I'm talking about, yeah. right? So you said hustle early, right? And we put grind on the sign, right? Because Jose hates the word hustle because he it. always feels like it's a word that's associated with negatively, not necessarily negatively, but with uh, a side hustle. Mm-hmm. And I think Jose and I both share the mentality of if you treat it like a side hustle, it's always going to be a side hustle, which is okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing well, wrong with that. But if you're going to put the, the the gas pedal through the floor and go, the objective is it not really to be that, right? And I, I have a different perspective. Yeah, the connotation yeah. gets put on it so, differently. The hustle to me means move your ass. Yeah. It doesn't, and it also means your back is against the wall. And for a lot of people, it's not. But for me, it is. It always is. It always has been. So that's what makes me put the gas to the floor. Yeah. I got to hustle. I got to move. You know, sometimes like it's tough to even slow down because yeah. this ball is rolling around. I find it hard to turn it off. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to turn it off. Like, because it's a big, heavy train rolling down the tracks and you shoveled a lot of freaking coal to get that train moving. And nope. once that train's moving, it's freaking going. And to stop it. You well, got to do a lot to stop it. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And like, it, it's near impossible to stop it. Sometimes, if if you if you want it to get to the destination, I right. guess. Right. I think some people are just okay with the journey. Maybe I don't mm-hmm. know if that's the right way to put it, but like you're okay like going through the process and you like it and it's fun and it's it's something you do. But I think the a big difference of what you said is like your your back's not always against the wall. And sometimes it's if it's not the only thing that you rely on or the thing that's going to put, you know, food on your plate or make difference in your life. People don't necessarily feel that way. The person who rented the store after me had the same concept. She was actually a customer of mine and she brought in artists and whatever. And that was just something that she was doing as a side, you know, like she didn't need the business, you know, it was fun, whatever. And it failed. It absolutely, you know, like fell through the ground in like less than two years, I think, because you didn't care enough about it. And you thought that you were going to model these steps. Yeah. And it was going to be successful. Well, going back to like even like the train reference, right? Like I I never really thought of it that way. But like, you know, some people it's I think it's incredibly difficult to even get the train started. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's 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 an accomplishment in itself. You got to build the train. It's Oh, yeah. There's no tracks. You don't know where it's going. There's, I mean, there's like, you look in like in those old cartoon movies, there's like 16 different tunnels in the mountains and you don't know which one you're going through. Like, it's that it's that crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, part of it is like, okay, great. You got the train started. Like, congratulations. That's great. 
Like that's the first step. Like everybody oh. here, everyone who's listening, like do it. Like just just take the first step. But like, there's you can't stop and like celebrate that the train's moving. Mm-hmm. Like that's now now you're just getting started. Now you gotta so, keep it moving. It's like that's where you start getting into like you know how fast that train gonna go, how far is it gonna go. Do you have to I alter that track that part, and, 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 and and pivot a different way? The articulation is what makes being a business owner the reward because I get to choose which direction I'm going. I get to choose how much gas I'm throwing on it and I get to step on it and let off it as much as I need to and want to. Now, in the beginning, I had to soak up everything, every little job, every commission, anytime anybody said, draw this, do this, whatever, I did it. But now I'm on greatest hits mode. Got like it. absolutely greatest hits. And it's, it's on in, your terms. It's in tried and yeah. true. I know these products over the last 10 years have done great. I'm not going to jump through hoops for people anymore. I'm not your one, two, three little designer. I do what I want to do and what makes sense. So, so you mentioned that the, the, the second owner of that, of that business, obviously they didn't, it didn't pan out for them either. But like, so when, when did you decide like, hey, you had this this brick and mortar, you had the store and then you don't have the store obviously anymore because no. there's a second order that that didn't have it either. But how did, So that was my there? dream. Having the store was like my dream. You know, everybody grows up, they have their dream. That was my dream. And I did it. And then the pandemic hit and Murphy ordered us to close. And I made that work. For three months, I made it work. And it was actually kind of nice. I, like, closed the doors. I accepted orders. I virtually shopped inside of the store for people, and they picked things out. I put it on the stoop, um, and they come pick it up. And that was actually really great because it allowed me to just design full-time as opposed to, like, tend to the bar, which is what I was doing a lot of at the store. People were coming because it's a safe space, and a serene space, but there is this, you know, long bar between me and the mm-hmm. customer. And that served as like the dump where people just came in and I, I loved it. I heard so many stories. I got so much, so many blessings from people just coming in off the street and observing the store and being like, you're doing this for the community. This is what we need. Mm-hmm. I had to shut it down because of both COVID and I was going through a divorce and I needed to just get a job. I needed to get a day job. I needed benefits, reality, you know? So it's bittersweet. I think that the community was more upset about the loss because that put a hole where a lot of people felt safe and felt like on a bad day, they could just roam around the store and feel better. And, that that hurts my heart, but, you know, I do love my day job. Now I'm like, you know, a marketing specialist for a mortgage company. I have a consulting business where I help small businesses kind of from soup to nuts pop up and build the train. Yeah. Because that's the hardest part is how do you build the train? How to make it go is on you. I'll, I'll give you some tips, but you got to shovel that shit. Yeah. I can help you build the train. So that has been where I've been trying to focus a lot of attention and time because my day job is a lot of coaching uh, loan officers on how to pop up individual businesses for themselves, how to use social media, how to uh, market themselves 
different from the next loan officer. Because mm-hmm. why should why should anybody care? You know, because they're buying you. They buy your trust. They buy your individual brand. And that's it. So I like to help people come to that conclusion because we float around a lot trying to figure out like where where should I be? What should I do? What's my brand look like? And it really is a series of questions. So has the dream changed at this point for you? Like is it yes. or, or is having a store like still something that No, that everybody like? asks me that. Would you do it again? Would yeah. you do it again? And the answer is no. You wouldn't do it again. Alone. Okay. So I was approached recently and basically this person who used to work at the store, um, she's incredible. She's a grief and trauma counselor. She's got her master's. She's going for her doctorate. She's an incredible person. She said, I wrote this business plan. And when I sat back and looked at it, it was the self-care cove. And I thought, well, if there's anybody to help me execute this, it's you. And I said, cool, you're going to need some help (laughs) because I'll definitely be a partner. I'll definitely be a voice. I'll fill your store with merchandise. I have so much stuff I've created. It's insane. I'll fill the store, but I can't run it. I like my day job. I, I want to be the person that fosters this within the community and gives it back to the community. Yeah. So I think that might be in the works. It's cool though. I mean, it's, and I think you're right. Doing something alone, like solely alone is really, really tough. I had to pay people it's, to like go to a baby shower. Yeah. I had to like pay people yeah. to watch it's my like store. It's like getting for your kid almost, right? Like, it except this is yeah. like my, my, Real baby, right. like sorry, baby. This is my baby. Yeah, yeah. baby <laughs> you, that, know? you know, there's, there's money in the cash register, and that money puts food on the table yes. at the end of the day. So it has to keep going. Uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine doing what we do alone. I mean, there's three of us, and we can't get it all done. Sometimes. I was answering questions through the security camera at a baby <laughs> shower while my staff had customers in the store. So they're looking up at the camera, asking me questions. Yeah. I'm on my phone on the security camera app, Zinc or whatever it's See, called. See, to me, that's grinding, though. That's not hustling. Yeah. That's grinding. It's grinding. Yeah. And I think that's more, like, that's that's the difference. Well, I'll tell you this. I usually wear my Apple Watch, and I screen all day what's coming through. Because I've got five inboxes. We all have, like, five yeah. inboxes, right? Sure. And my Instagram is, we can't even, it's oh, like. With, we'll get there. Yeah, we have to talk okay. about Instagram. Okay. Um, but I screen on my watch. So if it smells like money, I'm answering. And that, to me, is hustling because I care. I mean, I care what you have to say, but I'm going to budget time in my day to get back to the personal messages. The ones that are going to make me money, I'm going to answer right now. Well, it's, you know, it's like just simple prioritizing, really, mm-hmm. you know, like. You're going to get back to your friend or your mom or your aunt or your uncle at 10 o'clock at night. That's when they're getting yeah. the message. But from nine to five, when, especially if you're dealing, I mean, I don't know if you do, but we get a lot of um, like business to business contacts though, whether it's a wholesale coffee account or people that inquire to have the coffee bar at corporate events and mm-hmm. things like that. There, there's so much of that. And if we're not on it nine to five, it's the next day and it just delays everything and they're on to the next. Yeah. Who wants to wait? And I, you know, nobody today wants to wait. I I yell at Jose too, because sometimes Jose is a, you're a waiter a little bit. Like you'll be like, Oh, we'll reply that tomorrow. I'm like, 
the hell we will. Yeah. Like, I'll no reply way. now. Like, because it's got to get to them by a time. Otherwise, they're on to the next. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. in this day and age. And with Etsy, I have to set expectations with customers on when I'm going to ship. And in this day and age, you need to ship in 24 hours. Yeah. I'm shipping three to five business days yeah. minimum because I, mean, I got to make this shit. You have to make it. I mean, I think similar for us, too, with the coffee, because, you know, we try to keep everything in a, in a pretty strict roasting schedule. But yeah. sometimes somebody might place an order for something on, you know, the day after it was roasted and those orders are already shipped and set to go out mm-hmm. and they're into the next schedule. So sometimes it takes five days to get them their order. It's tough. It's still fresh. It's still, it's super fresh. I mean, yeah. especially when you're talking about comparing it to something on a store shelf, but people are used to Amazon. Right. And you know, I don't know the other problem because we ran into this problem. I feel like more so when we started than we, than now, but the cost to ship a product is so expensive, oh, yeah. especially a small product. Like if somebody buys one bag of coffee from us and it costs $14, it can cost $7 for us to send it to them in the same town it came from. Now think about that with a bar of soap. Yeah. What would make me move on that? Yeah. And so this is something that I definitely think about is the value proposition of the shipping. Because again, Amazon has set the expectation. And, and it's interesting because I was thinking about my design process as well. And Amazon is a part of my design process now because I have Amazon business. I source materials for what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So now Mm -hmm. they're woven into my actual design sourcing process. But, you know, ultimately being able to articulate your own expectations with your customer is like really, really important. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I think we should talk about Instagram. Well, hold on real quick. (laughs) Um, I think, I think it's important though, because, and, and we talked about this last time on the, on the last episode as well, but, there's so many different ways like to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And like, I think your example is like a great example because you had a corporate job and then you're building this, uh, you know, side business, right? You got to be able to pivot. And you, you left, you went all in on your, on, on your, on your website. Mm-hmm. And then from there you went doubled down, you got a store. Then the store closes, you still have the website, mm-hmm. but you're like, listen, I go back and get a job and that's okay. And, at the, and like, I have a job, Tom, um, you know, he he doesn't. But there's just so many different ways. For the record, I, I work. No, 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 no. I mean, like <laughs> I nine to five. Business, but I'm not like a kept man or something. No, no, but like straight. a nine to five. We're talking about a nine to five, though. <laughs> no, I know. I'm teasing. And it's just so crazy that there's just so many like ways to do it, and there's no mm-hmm. right way, no wrong way. Um, and there's successful there's so, but, way there's to so do much, it. There's so much yeah. stigma though of like working and and doing it. I well, I, I feel like that's the. But, but there's, I, there's I think so much that's stigma. like part of the whole side hustle thing. You know what I mean? And I think that's why Jose in particular, like I never really thought about the whole hustle conversation like the way you did until we had, we talked about it. But I think that's part of it is like Jose works a nine to five job and has a business on the side. Yeah. You treat it as if you didn't, but that's what it is. I have a day job, but I go full throttle with all of my businesses and I have several businesses. Yeah. Um, And they're all very active. And I feel like 100% of the time I'm dialed into each one of them. I don't think that my day job suffers because I have my other careers. As a matter of fact, my day job is so supportive 
about my other things because they realize that the creativity that I bring to the table comes from all that. Yeah. Yes. But that's no, I important. think that, but that's important though. Yeah. Like Jose, you have a lot of that with your yeah, job no, too. No, my like, boss is super, he, his boss is from, supporter. from the beginning. He's what are you, what are you into? What yeah. do you do? And he's always been supportive of other things. And I think that helps. I think it helps a lot. If you didn't, my, have my bosses that, are also fish heads. Well, that doesn't hurt you. Well, either. That, that helps. Too. <laughs> but, it, but imagine but if super they, successful if, people. So when you if went they, in the interview, they're like, Oh my God, you're Beth Kaya. Like, yes. <laughs> we met you at the shakedown. Actually. Yes. Uh, the guy that I used to, I started Get as a processor. The guy that I used to process for, we met at Atlantic City Fish. Oh, and I was great. like, I process for you. And he's like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, now so, I'm a marketing specialist so, for that. Yeah. Whole team. So I think that helps though. I think that's important. Like if you are, like if you do have a job and it's who you, you know, start, you, and you start a business, like loyalty, trust, common that. interests, yeah. all these. When I got my Wall Street job, I was in a thrift store suit. From Maryland, bright-eyed, bushy, fresh off the bus. And this woman, I argued at the time of whether or not I should keep the interest section on my resume. And at the bottom, I put, like, the fountainhead or some, some something stupid, like, to that book. And the hiring manager looked at me and she goes, you like the fountainhead? And I said, yeah, I just read it. She goes, okay, cool. And I, and I thought to myself is she going to hire me now? Because like we had this random interest that like it's, I don't even know why I put it on my resume, but it, it was my foot in the door. Yeah. I mean, it's like what you were able to connect with her about, right? Like you know? it might not have been work. It might've been something personal. 19 but. years old. She had no idea. You yeah. can't, you know, yeah. in a pinstripe suit. Love it. From a thrift store. <laughs> so Instagram. Okay. Um, It's, it's um, you're you've been on Instagram a long time. Since the beginning, since the beginning, in the beginning, I was like sharing canning stuff for like a good three weeks. Canning like canning food. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then I realized like there are people who are liking my stuff, um, out of nowhere. Where are they coming from? Like how how are they even finding me? And then I realized, like, the power of the hashtag and the power of aligning with other people who are on the same path as me. So in a period of maybe three years, I grew from zero followers to 10,000. And then from 10,000, it became more apparent to me because algorithms changed and stuff that I needed to be more strategic so then I was doing like collabs and giveaways and follow for whatever when that stuff worked. And then I was doing an auction every Saturday. Now the auction is what really was pulling people in because it was still chronological, the, the algorithm. So every Saturday people were drinking their coffee at 9 a.m. They would go to my feed. That's it. And they'd see my auction and it would be like crystals. It'd be like a whole bath and body, whatever. And like live video auction. Is that how you did it? That's mm-hmm. cool. And people would bid and, you know, they would, I would say the auction would end, you know, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Sunday. And I'll announce the winner. And you could see you had to tag the person ahead of you when you placed your bid. Well, I was going to say, like, you're saying a, an auction, but like, it's not a video. It's a, it's a graphic that you're saying this is for sale it was, it was mostly a picture sometimes yeah. there were videos sometimes we did lives 
Um, stories wasn't a thing yeah, at that point. Beginning. Um, but Facebook Live was because they were trying to copy Periscope. Do you remember Got Periscope? It. I do remember Periscope. Um, and then their Vine was another one that yeah. came through that anytime these little guys came out, Meta found a way before it was Meta to soak up that technology yeah. to utilize it and squish the little guy. Funny. I think they just did it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> TikTok? Yeah. No, no, threads. threads. Oh, I've no, no, never no. heard of that. Oh. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Really? Threads? Threads? You know about threads? No. You oh, wanna, boy. I learned, actually, I learned, I just learned a funny thing about threads. I, I don't know if you know this. Okay, probably not. Do you know the website for threads? Threads.com? No, threads.net. <laughs> threads.net, because you can't get threads.com. Is it crazy? Because the thread company probably it, owns it. Is it crazy? Like that an he embroidery company. That he launched it and it's threads.net? Oh, you would think he would just buy threads.com, but. I mean, you know. So threads is like an Instagram shoot off. You, you sign up <laughs> with, yeah, you sign up with your Instagram account. Yeah. So as soon as you sign up, it, it can, it connects you to all your current Instagram followers. So you build a base of people almost instantaneously, but That's it's wild. set up to work like Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Hence them stealing. Yeah. Okay. This is interesting, though, because, you know, as these companies come around, they have to learn how to steal like artists. You yeah. Know? Like this is you're designing the platform of our lives. So how are you going to optimize it? How are you going to enhance yep. it? I I'm under a rock, apparently, because I'm still, you know, I uh, I'll be honest. The only reason I knew about it when I did is because Josh, who was our first podcast guest in the first episode, he was like all over it. Now, mind you, Josh is only in like in his late twenties, so like he's like okay. primo. Like he still likes social media. He's having kids. He's I having teach kids. people how to use social media, so the fact that I've never heard of it makes me a little like. No, uh, it's not like a thing yet, though. It okay. hasn't like become like, like it, was, it was like super popular and all the rage to talk about it for like the first well, week it, it came out because it broke records for like how many users signed up for it within the first. So that Got was like it. the big thing, and they it like kind of came out of nowhere. Like correct, it just like boom. 48 hours from now, we're launching threads. And here it is. And then I think what has to, the past test of time now is its sustainability. Yeah. I mean, what makes it better than Instagram? I have no idea. Um, I so don't understand. It's, it's really not. It's just Vogue. It's not pictures, really. It's more like text heavy, in my opinion. Yeah. So I guess it's really. But I, you can put graphics. You can put, me. but just like in Twitter, like in Twitter. So, and yeah. I'm not a big Twitter user. Um, But in Twitter, I know like when it first came out and then when Instagram came out, I guess the, the similarity was it was driven by hashtags from the get go. Right. And you could put a picture in Twitter, but the idea was that you'd write how it 140 characters right. or whatever. You this can is write. 500 characters. Okay. So you more, which is nice, now it is. but now like that seems no, that's to be threads, 500 characters. Yeah, oh. So like, that's the I idea behind threads is I guess it's more conversational. Okay. Like Twitter is. Yeah. So like you'll, oh. you'll, You'll make your post, and then like people could just come in and comment right underneath it. So it's, it's like a next door almost, but like yeah. with yeah. your own. And then you can audience. like reshare other people and things like that. Full transparency. Okay. I signed up and never opened the app once again. So um, I'm interested, you know, because like I said, it is it is my job to stay on the pulse, and I've written presentations on how to become successful on social media. It's like, you know part of my dream now as it's evolved from having the store which has come and gone and done to how can I pop people up and do that for themselves and show them 
you know, the honest to God's truth. It's like, this is not going to be a business. This is going to be a hobby for you, or this has potential. I think it's fine for it to be a hobby, a business, a side Mm -hmm. thing, something full-time, depending on what you want. I would love to be able to just lay on the couch and watch TV. (laughs) I did it last. I watched Godfather 2 last night. And I just thought to myself, I felt guilty. You know, you feel guilty because you're like, oh, I could be listing stuff on Etsy right now. I could be filling orders. I could be, you know, labeling products. I got to take pictures. I got to, you know, write this copy. There's so much to do that I got to budget time for self-care. But that's my mission on the side here. You got to live it. To take care of yourself. Well, I think it's like knowing when, like, when to take a a break. Yeah. Like. Yeah, but I mean, it's important though. It's super important. I mean, like, and always for a mobster movie. Yeah, yes. I mean, like, <laughs> so real quick, I just pulled up my thread account. Okay. Oh. Um, I did post two weeks ago, and I said I, I'm I watched Scarface on double VHS tapes <gasps> in high school. Old. That's what that's what I put on that's threads. Funny. That's how old I am. But then I, I also just drew a doodle of Scarface. But then I also um, reposted somebody that I follow that I, that I that I like to follow, and she said, "You don't need advice. You need to finish your to do list." That was impactful. I mean, that's so. I mean, considering we always talk about our to do list growing and never shrinking. So that's my threads. So that's that's kind of where it's cool. But I think like to like to the same same degree of you know, not knowing it, not me not having used it. Like you you can't you can't exist in all of them to the same degree. It's just you got to sprinkle it around. You definitely can't have all your eggs in one basket. Um. These are like a part of the presentations that I give. Um, it is not a use it, set it, and forget it technology. It is set it and stoke it technology. Yep. You have to like be, you know, active. You have to engage with people. You do have to like their stuff and comment. That's something that has dropped off. Like people don't have the time to, mm-hmm. they don't care, but they're seeing it, you know, so you still got to have the faith that they're seeing it and keep going. Even without the likes, that's well. It, that's 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 a huge part, though. Like that's important. Before and I had I, any followers, like, I just was putting it into space with no one there, because I believed. So, I think we we do this too. Like, well, you get discouraged, obviously, when like you put something up and it doesn't get. Oh yeah. Like what you thought it was gonna get. Yeah. But in reality, though, like so many people saw it, read it, they just mm-hmm. didn't acknowledge that they did. When I had ten thousand followers. I shared a, at the time I was doing resin work before resin work was like a thing. I shared a piece that I did in the shape of a gun. And it it got, the whole point of that was to kind of transmute that negative image into a positive image. But it was very evocative. And it got maybe like a thousand engagements. This is when I had 10,000 followers. Now I have like 20. And I'll be lucky to get like 31 likes on something. Yeah. Well, when you had 10,000 followers, there was probably half as many people on Instagram. Well, that's that's, true too. That's, but that's reality. You know, Mm -hmm. like you were, you were in it. So like ground level, kind of like you were with Etsy. You said I was on Instagram in the beginning. I wasn't on Instagram in the beginning. I tried. I wasn't allowed at an Android. It was only iPhones. I think first. (laughs) I mean, I could, I I would just watch. I, I would have to like go to people and be like, Hey, can I see your, like, can I see what's on Instagram? Yeah. Which is I, crazy. That's a little crazy. I didn't know that. 
I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. I was team iPhone. Though, yeah, so, I'm pretty right. sure it wasn't even. You could, we'd have to like fact check that, yeah. and, and I'm sure people can leave comments on our YouTube page. Please, please do. <laughs> but, but I think that that was true. I think it was on Instagram only. It's interesting. And I'm talking like before it, Facebook bought it. Talking its original, only, like Apple, yeah. Yeah. Apple only. Yeah, before Facebook bought Instagram, yeah. and like before like even Instagram expanded, it was iPhone only. I just loved how it was just the visual representation without argument, without you know anything other than this is what I'm seeing yeah. through my eyes, through my lens. Well, uh, well memes really killed instagram like that's when that's when it got really Crazy. not killed it but like that's when it just was like the wild wild west yeah, yeah. before I mean, it was like, like pictures of like you know flowers and I mean, sunsets yes, and, and yes. again, like everybody wasn't there like now everybody's there kind yeah. of like what happened with facebook right like yeah you can't go on facebook without arguing and nonsense and instagram's kind of like there or, or it's it's inundated by people using it to get you to other sites no matter what those sites are like you're just bombarded with with information and information and information. I love That's when people follow you for. from site to site, though. No, it's cool. I love the the loyalty that you get when someone's like, "I saw this on your Instagram," but you know, I'm gonna hit you up on the Facebook yeah. and I'm gonna follow you on the Snap because well, you get different perspectives of yes. the same person on each different platform. Right. I, That's the goal. Well, yeah, I mean, but goal. you do like yeah. think about it. Like, so I gotta give Jan a shout out. Um, Jan has been my customer for ten years. She's got to be 80, maybe 92 at this point. Jan comments on everything that I post. Does Jan know about threads? Um, I don't know, <laughs> but I'll post Jan. Wu-Tang and Jan will comment like That's thumbs great. up on the Wu-Tang. <laughs> She's amazing. She's like my hype lady. And I, I got to use Jan because, you know, it's like everybody needs a Jan in their life that just like is Shit. just your hype person. Everything that you put out there they're in support of and don't forget those people sounds like you're ride or die she's my right? ride or die if Just i wake up and i post something and jan's not on there I'm worried i'm worried any time of the day i swear you could log on my stuff right now it's great you'll see some stuff from jan now yeah and you said she was how old she's got to be like 92 because when is she on instagram this is purely Facebook. Okay. Like, I was just that's curious. still impressive. No, it's for sure. Impressive. And she bought for me on an auction on Instagram, friended me on Facebook. And she is like a, you know, an elderly lady with her cat with lots of crystals. She was at Woodstock. She's got stories. She posts her stories all over my stories. So like <laughs> if you see my stuff, you can scroll down and Jan'll hit you Jan. with Jan, the coming for you. Great Depression and Oh man. All of it. Good for her. Oh, that's great. That's can awesome. you imagine that's stuff? Like well, that's gonna be us, years. But that's yes. gonna be us. Oh yeah. We're gonna be the ones that are like ninety two on Instagram yeah. and like commenting on your grandkids things yeah, and you know being really obnoxious with it and saying well this is how it should have been done yeah. or hashtag you were wrong like we're still using <laughs> hashtags nobody use, nobody's using hashtags anymore of course oh god um, i explain what a hashtag is almost every day uh, at my job it's cr hashtags still bother me because i hate using them i don't yeah. think anybody searches hashtags anymore but I'm completely wrong. It's I hashtag. do follow hashtags. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Hashtags are very still relevant. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I acknowledge that. But I'm like, can we just be done with them already? It's a good way to like get inside the mind of somebody else. This is so like, if you go and see what hashtags other people follow, you find out a lot about them. That's all I'm gonna say. All I'll right. leave that right there. Yeah, pro tip. <laughs>
Pro tip. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag pro tip. Hashtag research. Um, um, uh, hashtag the things you don't want to know. Oh, man. <laughs> but, but like those are like the hashtags that, like, that drive me nuts. Yes. Yeah. It's the hashtags that like, I'm like, listen. That's not doing anything for you. Like the witty one word caption hashtag is the one that drives me like off the wall. Yeah. Or like the one, like, you know what drives me off the wall? Like the one that has, has no relevance to what you're talking about. It's strictly there because it's, it's trending topically. I mean, I get it. Right. But come on. I don't even know what some of them mean. Like for your page. Uh, I think you're supposed to put that on everything. Just put it on everything and then you get everywhere. For your page, I, I think that's. A, I mean, listen. If people do that on Instagram, then I'm. I don't think people do it on Instagram. I it's mean, a. It's a tick because the TikTok it's, has like it's a hundred thousand right? So yeah. I have not tapped TikTok oh. in the way that I should, because I know that as a visual artist, if I did, you know, cutesy oh, time see. lapses it's and things. Tough, though. But I again have a day job. I don't have time yeah. to create content all the time. I see a ton of like resin artists on TikTok, and it's. It's it's pretty cool. I'm sure. Like a time lapse resin table, and I'm I know you don't know the ones, but like the beach waves and whatever. It's like a cutting board Heck or yeah. it's a, a tray holder for mm-hmm. wine glasses. But like I'm like oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and even with the soap makers, like you know, they show their process. I'm funny about showing process. I've correct. always grappled with that because I think that everything should be accessible. And everybody has the opportunity to learn. But it is not my job to give you my secrets. Well, yeah, you got to decide, like, at what you point and I are the, you... You and I are the same in that regard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you have to decide, too, like, at what I point I love when people okay? bear it, though. Like, when you're okay to educate somebody, right? Or you're, I'm going to educate you on X, but not Y. You know, and what you really value as a trade, I guess, it's like a trade secret, right? Yeah. Like somebody can't find it out on their own, then it's really important. If, mm-hmm. if it's out there in the world and you could find it and it just might not be for me, I, I think it's, I, I think it's less I'm, important. I share the same like sentiment like that. Like I'm very like try to keep everything as private as possible and not like mm-hmm. show anybody anything like out of the three of us. I'm Oh yeah. Way but you know, I have to live out loud at the same time in order to be Beth Kaya. It's like people have to get a piece of you every single day in some way. So you stay top of mind and that is part of being a content creator. It's part of being a entrepreneur in this day and age. If you don't want to generate content, then you can live in the dark age. Yeah. Well, here's here's what I'm, I've come to realize. And this is helping me get through a lot of like giving things away or, or, or not being so secretive. What I'm coming to realize is that you can give everybody the same tools mm-hmm. and you're not going to get the same thing. No way. And I'm, nope. and I'm so spiteful. It's like the worst quality I have that like now I'm like, I can show you my secret. I can show you this. Yeah. I can, And you're still not going to do it better than I'm going to do it. Like that's right. how, that's how like, I mean, we literally, I guess confident or like comfortable with like what I'm doing. So before we did our podcast today, we were out doing a market with the meat, with the coffee company, with Bean Muggin, and we were selling cold brew like crazy today, mm-hmm. right? Crazy. You would agree? Biggest we had, cold. We had a record day. Record day. Selling. Hey, Jay, Jay, when you, Jay, when you hear this, we broke the record. We broke the record, Jay. <laughs> Ready to drink cold brew, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we also sell. No brainer. First place I would go if I went to any market, the coffee place. Right? Like, we also sell make at home cold brew, where we give you the recipe. Right. Right on the back of the bag, exactly what to do. 
which coincidentally is exactly how we make our cold brew. He's going to kill me for this later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly how we make our large batch cold brew. But it's never exactly the same because if you don't do every step of the way exactly the same every single time, maybe they use different water than we do. Whatever it is, it's still never the same. Well, like you can buy corn shucked. Right. And you could buy corn unshucked and it's $3 different. Correct. Because it tastes better when someone did the work for you. It always does. Right. It, yeah. I don't know. I like when you do the work yourself. I like to. No. Just don't, what do you call that stuff? The silk? I don't like that when it gets left on the corn. <laughs> the silk. I haven't, or, I haven't had corn on the cob lately. We should do that. We should have Sweet a Jersey corn? Uh, yeah, I haven't had it yeah, lately. We're going to schedule a barbecue. Yeah. I love living where I live near Point because that whole strip down to the beach has all those cute little markets and mm-hmm. like you could get your Jersey corn and you can get your Jersey tomatoes. And- yeah, all our good Jersey stuff, right? Yeah. But but yeah, I think that's like the the key though is like the tools. Yeah, the tools and the, like the process. You can give you know people I mean? the like, same tools and it's yeah. gonna be different. And I'll listen. sell you those tools. Right. <laughs> I've taught classes at the store, and again, like for my um, sort of workshop that I do at the office, um, you got to sign up and attend. You got to show me that you care. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it ain't for you. Let's, let's get in the game. So I guess I have like um, two questions left, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is what advice would you give to somebody who is going to, you know, create different things and sell them on the internet, um, start a website, um, be Beth Kaya from the fish. Yeah. Shakedown street days. Well, I mean, it goes with anything. If you're a baker or you're a clay artist or, you know, you have a clothing company, you definitely have to believe in your brand through and through. You got to be ready to like say goodbye to your social life for a little bit. You have to be okay with that. I think, you know, I have a friend who is an incredible makeup artist and we talk about the brands that he could be developing, but he loves his social life. And he knows that in order to really go full speed, he's got to give something up. So there is a lot of sacrifice and you have to be willing to make the sacrifice. If you're not, turn back. Because it's not for you. Keep doing what you want to do to enjoy yourself. Don't think you're going to make money doing it. Yeah, I no, I, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not speaking for everybody, but I, I know I've made a, a ton of sacrifice. Oh yeah, and, I, and to me that and that's the hardest part. And I, and as I get older, and my kids get older, and yeah. um, you know, obviously, like uh, it, it, the hardest part is the sacrifice. Oh, it's super tough. But it yeah. wasn't that hard in the beginning. No, because it was just you. It was, you know, it was still difficult, Erica. Like I still. You, but you were worried about you, you, and you're worried about Erica, and yeah. that was it. And now you're worried about your kids, and not only are you worried about like providing for them, taking care of them, but also being there. Yeah, that's hard. Like it's hard. I found a Mother's Day card from my son that you know the school helped him fill out. Like I love my mom because of this, and she does this with me, whatever. And one of the lines was, "When my mom is not in the office," he wrote that. When my mom is not in the office. I love how she reads me stories or something. And I just thought, oh, God, you know, he wrote this in his Mother's Day card. Like, when my mom is not working, yeah. my mom is not at the office. And that hit me. And it's, was like, you can't get that back. It's super hard, though. And I think, like, now, at least, like, in my house, right, I, I've worked from home since, like, pre-COVID pandemic, always worked from home. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my wife started working from home during all that and even still only goes to her office two, maybe three days a week. Mm -hmm. So our daughter's home, whether it's after school or it's the summer and now she's home, you know, daddy's in his office, mommy's in her office. So to them, like they don't have like the concept of like, yeah, nine to five, it's work hours. Mm -hmm. They don't have the same concept. So I think like for us and in my family, like a big part of it is like explaining why we do what we do and why we have this like yesterday morning and boundaries we did me and my daughter did a 10 minute podcast like oh, she's been so obsessed cute. about coming down here and doing it and she wants to start her own bracelet company a couple months ago so i made her a website and she was like let's let's make a podcast i was like cool like it it, it gives them an understanding of like hey it's friday night and daddy's got to be out working tonight or it's sunday and i have to i, I can't go to the birthday party with you because i have to do this but on monday i'm around so i think it's just like figuring out the balance that fits in everybody's house. You're also spending time with you. You're also instilling yeah. these values of, for sure. you know, like how to for start sure. a business, how to create this and how to, you know, uh, essentially be a person. Yeah. I mean, I know a ton of people that are like, Oh, I'm like, well, how'd you get started? Like, Oh, my parents own a business or something. Mm-hmm. I go, Oh man, that'd be great. If like my kids saw that and they yeah. go, Oh, well my dad had a business, you know, selling coffee on the internet or something. Now I do this or, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's cool that you my that mom can inspire. had businesses. Her grandfather's had businesses. Um, my my dad's mother is like was um, one of the founders of Barbizon Modeling. Oh wow! International. So she had businesses all over, um, from Cali to Tokyo, and so this entrepreneurial blood runs thick. Yeah. And you know, for anybody starting out, it's for for me it was my uncle. I work I worked for him. He had his own business for for a while, a catalog company, a fitness catalog company. And I I, I mean I worked there for probably six or seven years, um, on different aspects of it. But like just to see it and like see how it works and then Well when you're working for someone directly like that and you see what they've sacrificed and what they've put into it, you wanna work harder for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because they you know that what you're doing has a direct impact on well, their success. And well, your even, success. even now, like my nine to five is a small business with six people. And like, I know like my um, input, it directly reflects the output, which yeah. is still like a big part of like why, you know, I've been there like 11 years now. So it's like still part of like that small business aspect. Mm-hmm. And but like, that's like the entrepreneurial mindset a little bit too, that you have, it's, you know, it's not your business. You're working for somebody else, but because you have your own business over here, you still take that mindset into work every day. Every day. Yes. And not everybody has that. And but that's why you're there eleven years and other people might not be. Yeah. Right. So. And I think that's a great asset for any company who, you know, has somebody who does have a business is that they know the value of what it takes to get it done and they're gonna get it done for you. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of people just, you know, they're there, they clock out, they go home and that's the end of it. And I I really I had a professor and he, you'll never know his name, so I'm going to give his name. His name is Maurice Galli, and he was the head designer at Tiffany & Company and then the head designer at Harry Winston. Oh. And I said, Maurice, why don't you design for yourself? Nobody knows your name. And he goes, because at 5 p.m., I clock out and I go home. Yeah. And I thought, okay. You know, I was yeah. like There's a lot of you 20. Get you, get you get it now. I get yeah. it now, but you know, the XO, <laughs> Tiffany XO, mm-hmm. that's Maurice Galli, the Hope Diamond setting. 
I'm Maurice sure Gally. Maurice was very well compensated. Yes, for all that. I'm and sure that, he I think was that's too. too right? But like, if well, you're just there's stability, knowing there. yeah. who he is was not important, right? And that's, I think that's interesting. That's another way to do it, yeah. right? There's, listen, before I get to the last question, real quick, what's funny is like we have a uh, we have an employee, mm-hmm. and I, I, <laughs> this is funny though. We have one employee that helps yeah. us with markets, yeah. but they have their own business too. So it's funny that you said you should hire people that have small businesses. I go, because the only employee we have has her own business. She she has her own business and that's how we met her. Yeah. And we're like, wow, she'd be awesome. Like to help us out. I'm sure she's multitasking, multi-talented. You have to be. Yeah. And not to knock anybody that loves their nine to five and is like clock out. I'm going to, you know, hang out with my peeps. I wish that I had that in me, but I just don't. I agree. I agree. Um, so before we let go, last question. Uh, what is like your favorite Jersey Shore memory? Oh, um, taking my son to get ice cream on the boardwalk. We did it like every weekend, any possible weeknight during the summer ever. Um, just his face with that big old vanilla cone with sprinkles. And yeah. The smile, you know, I will never forget that. And, you know, the, Boardwalk is a scene. Every year it's yeah. a little different. Oh, it's a scene. So getting ice cream and people yeah, watching is probably it. Also, I used to have a boat. And boat life in New Jersey is great. You know, there's a couple of spots where you can roam out and drop anchor yeah. and just float. And, yeah. you know, that's part of Jersey life. That's everybody should experience yeah, it's all, that. all about what makes a, makes a Jersey Shore special, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way we put up for the winter just to get for those three months of Oh, glory. Yeah. 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 Summer glory. Jay, you heard that? Jay's on his boat now. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, listen, we appreciate you coming on. Um, Thank you it's guys been so great. much for I, having I love me the story, it. and I think it's so impactful that I think people are going to be, you know, really tuned in. Uh, super inspiring. Wait, yeah. Before we go, Thank you. Beth, tell uh, for everybody that's going to be, you know, on YouTube and Spotify checking this out, where they find Beth, uh, Beth Kaya. Beth Kaya, anywhere, anywhere. It's B E T H K A Y A. Yeah. On Facebook, Instagram, threads coming Snapchat, soon. Snapchat, threads, threads, whatever. Yeah, we're threads I by love next week. that though. Like you're not gonna find anything but me. That's awesome. With that. Well, so. thanks again. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you guys. Um, fun. Guys. Yeah. So long. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Coffee Before You Talk to Me. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Bean Muffin Coffee Code and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep that coffee hot. And please, coffee before you talk to me.